When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) You could just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured. Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had comedian Dustin Ibarra in studio. As fun as always, and less hospitalized than last time he was in town. I think they want me to come back over to the station and cut another time. Yeah. <laughs> we need you. That's who was called. It was a radio station. I don't know why, but they are. You know, it's been, I've been on the show for 34 years now. That's it's awesome. Amazing. It's unbelievable. I do have a good time doing it. But you know what you said this morning? It's very nice of you to say that because I, I kind of really love the fact that we just have conversations 
You know, I love it. Yeah. Like, hey, tell some jokes, Dustin. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's tough, and I'll slip in my jokes sometimes, but it's gonna yeah, be very well, conversation because because like sometimes like we go on the radio and they're like. All right, you got uh, 45, just do as many as you can, you know, and it's very like, well, so Dustin, tell me, like, uh, so uh, video games. They're like, oh, yeah, I love video uh, Yeah. You know, you ever been playing a video game and this happens? Okay, uh, that's Dustin Barr, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, go see him at so-and-so comedy club. Uncle Chuckles. Uncle Chuckles. <laughs> of comedy. And I also understand, I've never heard it, but I understand some radio hosts get mad if you're funnier than they are. Yeah, they I do, guess so. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I always God. try to like. It's very weird because you're going into a place where it's like you're this visitor, and every like it's just like like you've been doing it forever. You know what right, I'm saying? So right. it's like a, it's a very you got to show respect and like just not like step on anyone. I, you're cool, but like it's, <laughs> I'm always like paranoid. You know what I'm saying? Well, not around me, you're not. Because you know, especially like dudes in like Mark, like you'll be like this dude's like the king of Dallas or something. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? It's like, oh, I gotta be cool with this guy. He could run my Dallas <laughs> shows or something. You know? Don't go see him. Yeah, that, that doesn't bar was a real prick, huh? Like, oh man. You know, that's only happened to me twice in in the 34 years having guests on, and they were pricks. <laughs> really? And I had to point out one of them was Dennis Miller, actually. Oh, well, that's the perfect uh, prick. Right oh, that's perfect. God, yeah, what a prick. He is on me. To, to this day, he still won't talk to me. And that happened like 25 years ago. Really? But he came on and said, like, okay, well, whatever. And I asked him some question, and he called me a mother effer on the radio. Oh, wow. But they were able to dump it. Yeah, yeah. But I said, God, you're a flaming asshole. And if I ever meet you, I'm going to drive my fist right through your chest. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't talked to him since. Yeah. But he's got a new thing that is running on, on the on KQRS where I work. Because he's got a podcast on Westwood One now. All and right. he comes on and he goes, just like this. It's really weird. So you can get my podcast any place, like on Apple Podcasts or... Westwood one, but anywhere you get your podcast, it's like he's. I'm, I'm really gonna wear myself out having to talk to you. It's like, what is that? Yeah, like just talk no Yeah, that's interesting. His his brother owns some comedy clubs. Too. Yeah, well, he used to. Uh, what is that, Larry? Uh, I think Rich Miller. Oh, Rich Miller. Yeah, I think he's the one that used to work here at. I think he worked at. I don't know where did he work. Yeah, he was. I know he worked in town here. Are they from out here? No, no, they're from. God, I forgot where they're. Oh, they're from Pittsburgh, maybe? I think he's from Pittsburgh. But no, he was here running a club and I don't know, whatever. And the other guy that was, you might not even, you know, you even know who Andy Rooney is? He used to be on 60 Minutes. Yeah, yeah. Real old guy. Yeah, what is the deal with the yeah, yeah. plastic cups? Why? So he calls into the show, <laughs> and Mike Gelfand at that time was on a show with me, and, and I asked him a question, and Mike asked him a question. He goes, Ah, oh, it takes two of you to do this show, huh? I said, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it does. So right away, I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh like, my you know, god. Like, so I said, you know, then he then he took some other shot. And I said, you know, maybe we should reschedule this uh, to another time. And he oh. says, how about never? <laughs> how about you're an asshole? How about that? <laughs> wow. Like, good God. Why you want? Why would you want to be like that? Is what I don't understand. I feel like I, it's an it ego no thing or something. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But other than that, everybody's been great. Your dad didn't give him enough attention or something. Like, <laughs> well, I always I look at that. Whenever someone's yeah. like weird now, I'm always yeah. like, oh, this guy probably was Well, like, you had the, the comic that um, didn't feel like being funny. Oh, Rich uh, used to be on Saturday Night Live. Rich, what the hell was his name? He did the Sniglets thing. Remember Sniglets? Yeah. What the hell was I his have name? No idea. Rich. 
can't remember. But the whole time he was like, because I did the show from the studio then. Yeah. Uh, and he was like reading something the whole time and not talking. We're on the air. Oh, that's him. interesting. Yeah. He's reading and not talking. I haven't seen him since, so he's probably in the nut house. No, I was, I was thinking of the guy who did all his advertising over uh, social media. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. my God. He's so lucky he's still alive. And, he's, and, he's, <laughs> and he said he didn't feel like being funny. I don't feel like being funny today. Oh, oh, why would you come in here? What yeah, was his name again? Colin? So Colin something. Colin. <laughs> Colin, uh, oh, gosh. What the hell was his name? Oh, he was. Oh, that was so bad. And he le- and he left, and he didn't show up at House hey, of Comedy. Well, he no went to way. the airport. Are you serious? Yep. Yeah, he, just- <laughs> he went to the airport and went home. Oh, that's like a mental breakdown oh, situation yeah, or something. Like, what Colin, happened? He pre- yeah. What the hell was his last name? I'll look him up. Well, so he Colin says found my wife with my brother. <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. go. Well, then uh, Jimmy Schubert flew in. Right. Yeah, Jimmy so Schubert on. flew in to, to cover for him. But he's, he's on good. the show and he goes to me, I, I don't feel like being funny today. I said, so far you're a success. Colin, <laughs> Colin Kane. Colin Kane. Yeah, oh, Colin Kane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I like funny. that tone. I'm one of those dudes, like, I'm, I'm one of those dudes that for some reason, like, people who are a-holes to everyone are like nice to me you know because like, yeah, I try yeah. not to I'm just very but he was one of those dudes he had such a reputation in New York I remember um, and he was one of the first dudes I met we actually that, that was one of the things that like changed my career I did that really? stand up for diversity show and I remember he was on it too I remember thinking like wow this guy's good because he does have that whole like angry like uh, New York comic thing mm-hmm. to him you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's very interesting because I always look at it very like I look at comedy I think I, I look at it very blue collar, like it's a job, you know. Make them laugh, you yeah, know. Like the it. show must go on, that type yep. of stuff. So it's like it, very smart. I don't feel like being. F- you think I like telling my jokes? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. For Doing that, this since I was seventeen, so talking about Long John Silver's man. <laughs> no, like but Long it's John so. Silver. I do. It's and it's such <laughs> I a. Do. It's fun. I'm, it's like the luckiest job in the world, I and it's like you just got to look at life. Like, wow, I could end up being one of those dudes getting poisoned in wherever we're talking about Boca Raton or like yeah yeah I know it's called something else but like yeah dude we could, close enough yeah just really lucky I always like that's pretty ballsy that's pretty ballsy right there to oh yeah say, was, was and just leave the comedy club but uh, on the other side I'll, I'll throw one at you from the radio side of morons mm. so Gore Vidal and I became friends back in the day you know who Gore Vidal is a great yeah. writer great writer uh, really good but uh, Gore would come on the show and then after a few years he comes on and he's on live and he says Mr. Barnard because he always called me Mr. Barnard he wouldn't call me Tom he'd be, Mr. Barnard how are you <laughs> as I'm doing very well Gore so I'm talking to him he goes I have some news for you Mr. Barnard and I said what's that he said I'm dying I said you can't die what are you talking about he goes I am I'm dying I said man I feel because I thought the world of the guy. I just thought he was a wonderful, he was a brilliant man. So I'm really sad, and I'm like even tearing up a little bit, thinking, man, you, Gore Vidal's going to die. And he said one more time, yes, yes, I am going to die. One of the people on the show says, right after he says that, <laughs> do you have any pets? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so it's not only people on here, it's people on the show. <laughs> Oh my God! I'll never forget that. And I was like, Oh, uh, uh, oh my God! I didn't know yeah. what to say. So yeah, I saw on your Instagram you. Uh, <laughs> like, what? Is it a puppy? 
The guy's <laughs> dying. It's just, oh, whatever. Oh man. That's but so it, it's look. It's on both sides. It's some of the people in radio. Some of the people. Uh, it, it, you know. You can't pin it on one side because it, it bounces back and forth. So. Yeah. It's so weird because that's all you got to do as a comic. You just got to be, you got to do your stuff on stage, obviously. But then all it has, all you got to do is show up somewhere. That's all it is, just showing up. Right. You know? But you but got I a know very easygoing demeanor. That does help you a lot in interviews because you're just like, okay, well, whatever. I try to, yeah. I freak yeah, out sometimes, good. but yeah. You so, do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get nervous and stuff sometimes. Boom. Call me if that ever happens because I'll tune in the station Oh, dude, yeah. Like, if, oh, on set or something, I've, I've got, like, a oh, scene yeah. where it's, like, because it's, like, it's weird because you'll do a scene and, like, I remember one particular, I did this one in a dance club, and it's, like, everyone's supposed to be dancing, so you're, like, talking, but there's no music on so you're just, like, doing these lines, and there's, like, all these extras looking at you, and they want to be actors, oh, so yeah. I'm just, like, oh, they're probably just, like, oh, oh this guy yeah, can't act, you know, yeah, like, I, I freak out, dude, yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be a tough road. Aren't those some really long days? Jimmy? Yeah, they oh are. It, it gets it's weird, dude. Because and that's why I guess I'm just lazy or something. Like work, <laughs> it's so weird. Because yeah. a job is a job. Sometimes you just want to go home. And you, it could be like the best job ever, but you're like, I man, I, I kind of want to play that new computer game that came out. <laughs> oh, you know, I sound like Andy now. Oh, What's little... the latest game, Andy? I actually haven't bought anything in a while. Really? I've been too busy. Get Factorio. That's a good one. You're I already moving? have that one. You do have that one? I got it. You are moving? Yeah. I didn't know you were moving. Probably in the next like month or two. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't have any idea. Super fun. Well, I'm going to be out of town that weekend. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they love to help you. But did, did, they did say on air a couple of weeks ago that they buying her grandmother's house or something? Yep. Oh, is that, oh, yeah. is that what you're doing? Yeah. So you are going to do that? Yeah. So, so you, should, you should probably take the, take the dough out of your house and just pay for it, can't you? Pretty much what I'm going to do. Well, there you go. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'll just be where I am, hanging out <laughs> at the house. You know, yeah. it'll be unbelievable. You go out, do you ever play the, uh, the improv in Palm Beach, in West Palm Beach? Um, yeah. I didn't know there was one there. I, I used to play. Is that by Miami? Because I played the Miami Improv. Seventy-seven miles north of. The- okay, no, I, I've done Jacksonville. I don't know that whole area, but yeah, I don't think I've done that one. Yeah, it's good. You yeah, if you if you can get booked there, you should play it. Yeah, I it's love Florida. Big, I love going out there. It's fun, dude. Yeah, it is. It is a good time. Yeah, There's no doubt about it. But you would like to, except for they they serve food during the show, and therefore <laughs> it gets really noisy. They kind of do that everywhere though, and it does do suck. Yeah, hope, yeah that's, I, that's why I like drinkers in the crowd. They just <laughs> they want to maintain that buzz, like get food out of my system. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that, that that's the one thing. It's a big room, uh-huh. like a really big room, but there's always somebody with clanking dishes or silverware or some damn thing. So yeah, that's it's so weird. It's work. it's it's weird. Sometimes I'll be like looking around, like especially if you're like in the middle of a joke, and then you got a waitress or, like right in the very front taking an order, and you're like, should I acknowledge this or should I just keep going? God. And I'll just keep going usually, but like sometimes you'll be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> what do you, you know, everyone obviously sees your order. <laughs> so do you, do you ever work with uh, Andy Kindler? No, I've never worked with him actually. I know him, no, but I've never, yeah. I've never worked with him. Yeah, I've known him for years and years. He, he's a great guy. So we go see him. He's in town. We go see him, and there's a guy right next to the stage, and he's been drinking the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with the opener and the feature. And he's, he's messing with everyone. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and he's literally from about me to JB, right? He's I'm sitting here, and that would be Andy Kindler. Mm-hmm. So Andy walks out, and he you know how he goes after uh, uh, Red Bull. And he just hates Red Bull, and he rips on Red Bull all the time. So he holds up this can, and he goes, Red Bull, you drink enough, you make you want to kill yourself. And the guy says, why don't you? Oh, like, wow. What? He goes, what? He goes, why don't you kill yourself? And so Andy's like looking for me in the eyes like, where is Tom? <laughs> I, how do you handle something? Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, I get. Oh my I get, god! It's interesting because I like. I don't really. I try to keep things so fast paced on Good. stage where I don't let Good. anyone like. And if I hear someone about to, I'll just go over them because I'm louder, <laughs> you know. And I'll just keep. Yeah, I'll pretend yeah. it didn't happen, you know. Uh, but sometimes you do have to like deal with someone. That's weird, and then it's usually. But it's usually like that. The person's drunk, so they're automatically right. the bad guy. So everyone's kind of like, okay, yeah. get this guy out of here. God, I tell you. How do you deal with bachelorette parties? Oh, man, dude. <laughs> I tried to, try to hook up with one of them after well, the show. <laughs> no, I, uh, they're tough, dude. You see a bunch of those, like, everyone's got dildos in their hair yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they all hats yeah. with the penises hanging off of the front. Yeah, bachelorette parties are very interesting at comedy. Because it's all about them. And it's like you're coming to a show where this right. guy on stage is trying to be the main center of attention, but they want to be the center of oh, attention. Yeah, yeah. And it's... It's a very interesting dynamic there. God, I saw, I can't remember who it was that I saw, but four bachelorette parties oh, on the same night. Four of them. I mean, they were penis hats everywhere. Yeah, that's like a comedian's hell right there. Yeah. When you <laughs> go like to hell, hell, yeah. It's bachelorette. There, I mean, he's on, on stage and they're like, oh, it was a woman, actually. I was trying to think of who it was. I don't remember. But they're like, turn around, she's up on stage, and they're like, yeah, so anyway. Yeah, oh, dude, God. it's such a, people to get, become jerks sometimes when they drink and start like, uh, Well, not me. Not me, I do. <laughs> God, I'm surprised. Uh, Mordahl, actually, that was very nice of what you did for Mordahl today. Oh, dude, it's so funny, because like, nice. I was, yeah, dude, I was watching him like as a, younger, you know, he's like my favorite, I think I voted for him on that show, man. <laughs> oh, last yeah, comic yeah. standing, yeah. Well, he got beat by Dad Fan, but... You know. That's right. That, oh, man. <laughs> Is he even around anymore? Um, I, Every now and then I see him pop up and, like, doing, like, some random shows. But, yeah, he really, like, uh, that's interesting. He lost a lot of respect from, commi- like, people did not like him, huh? No, not too much, I guess. I never, I never talked to him. I never met him. But I remember it was, well, it was Rich Voss and mm. Dave Mordahl that lost to Dad Fan. Dude, right? <laughs> so funny. Like, Wow. God, have you you guys used to bring in Rich Voss all the time? Is he not? Because I know he's he. What the hell's he got? Some it's not a TV show. He's got uh, something. He's going. got a podcast with uh, his wife, right? Oh, Bonnie that's right. McFarlane. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I haven't seen him at the club. I've been there about nine months myself. Haven't seen him yet. So yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen. He hasn't been in town in a few years, actually. He's always know. nice to oh, me. He's a great he, was, guy. he was one of those dudes who I met in New York that was like just really cool. He's you know? a great guy. Yeah. yeah, he really is funny as hell too. Oh my god, yeah, his and crowd he, work is like. Stellar. He and Mort all together going after each other. You got to be there. It's <laughs> I bet you that is oh, great. Oh my god, yeah. Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. He's just a common man. That was Dustin Ibarra on the best of 
Coming up next, we had an author on the program. We had Julian Smith, author of Aloha Rodeo. A little book about the American West and some Hawaiian cowboys. Next on The Best Of. Julian Smith. The book is called Aloha Rodeo 3, Hawaiian Cowboys, the World's Greatest Rodeo, and a Hidden History of the American West. I'm learning more and more about the American West on a daily basis. Julian, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Marvelously well. So uh, I've learned, and I did not know this, but I learned just recently that uh, I believe a quarter of American cowboys were black. Another quarter of the American cowboys were were Mexican and actually the the name cowboys came from caballeros mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know any of this stuff and now I find out there are Hawaiian cowboys which I didn't yeah, know yeah the either. history of the west is a lot more complex and interesting than you might think it's <laughs> yeah. not quite black and white it absolutely is so Aloha Rodeo, three Hawaiian cowboys, the world's greatest rodeo, and a hidden history of the American West. Julia, I just want to hand it off to you because I just learned about this just a few months ago, and now this is another chapter I did not know about. Yeah, it's actually a really fascinating and barely known outside of Hawaii part of the history of not just the West, but of Hawaii also. I think it's just, so how, okay, now, that, so you're talking about in the late 1800s. Right, late 1800s, early 1900s, although the story goes back, yeah, it goes back to the very end of the 18th century, where the first cattle were delivered to Hawaii by English explorers as a gift to the king. All right, because, yeah, Hawaii didn't become part of the United States uh, until, what, 1960, 59, something like that? Yeah, becoming a state, but it it was actually uh, annexed long before that. At the very end of the 19th century. At the very end of the 19th century, okay. Because, yeah, I, w- I was a little boy when uh, Alaska and Hawaii were brought in as the uh, 49th and 50th states. So I know a little bit about it, but I don't know any about this at all, Julian. So where do we start? Well, like we said, the first cattle arrived in Hawaii at the end of the, at the 18th century. And since they were a gift to the king, there was a prohibition on messing with them or killing them. Well, that's so they, <laughs> yeah, so they, they started to kind of reproduce and basically run rampant across the islands, digging up gardens, spearing people with their horns. <laughs> oh, These were longhorns from uh, the West Coast. And okay. pretty soon they realized that they needed some help to uh, learn how to control these cattle. So they brought in some vaqueros, some Spanish cowboys from uh, what's now Mexico and California to teach them how to basically be cowboys. And that's how the Paniolo tradition was born. So how many how many cows are we talking about here? That there were that... Uh, early on, we're talking thousands, if not tens of thousands, of these longhorns with a six foot uh, span of horns running over pretty much every island they were introduced to. And they were they were wild cattle. They were ferocious, and so taking taking care of them and uh, lassoing them and controlling them was uh, one of the toughest jobs you can imagine. I, I have an ignorant question: Were there horses in the Hawaiian Islands at that time, or were they imported as well? They were imported uh, a few decades after the cattle, so early nineteen. Oh, after the cattle, wow! Oh, that must have been a little tough uh, to, to wrangle those cattle without horses. I would imagine. Right, right. So once you put those two together, plus a little bit of uh, instruction from the Mexican vaqueros, uh, 
the Hawaiians really took to took to the job like it was a uh, second nature eventually. So by the middle of the 19th century, they were uh, going around on all these islands, mostly the the big islands because that had the the largest uh, areas. So they uh, yeah, they, the job that they were doing was pretty unbelievable. They would have to rope these wild cattle in the dense jungle, take them down the mountain, drive them across these barren lava fields with no water and eventually take them down onto the beach and drive them into the surf because the ships couldn't pull up to the docks. They were, they oh, were yeah. wading out in the deeper water. Right. So uh, they had to basically swim these cattle out to the wading ships. And since it's, uh, you know, it's Hawaii, it's in the middle of the Pacific, every so often a shark would cruise by and uh, take a chomp. <laughs> oh, God. Unbelievable. So, so why did the cows, why were the cows sent to Hawaii in the first place again? I'm, I forgot. They were uh, they were a gift from the English. It was actually oh, Captain English, George. Right. Okay. Yeah, Captain George Vancouver dropped them off, and you know they're a way to uh, solidify relations between the two countries. But in, in an interesting kind of side note to that, they were also basically a, a tool of imperialism because they were a way for the English to kind of spread their culture, spread their their Englishness around the world. I see. Now I do have to ask you, Julian, were there any Samoan cowboys? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Thank no. God, man. Those guys are gigantic yeah, those cowboys. Those horses would be working. Yeah, those horses would be working with Samoan cowboys. Man. So, Julian, are, are you from Hawaii originally? No, I'm actually from the East Coast. But, oh, you are? I've uh, been there many times on vacation and to research this book. I tell you, Julian, we uh, the first time Catherine and I, my wife and I, went to Hawaii, we uh, were on Oahu, had a great time. The second time we took the kids to Kauai. It was, it's, it is stunningly beautiful. People have never been there. You see the pictures, you go, yeah, well, you know, but it actually is much prettier in person than it is in the pictures or the, or the videos. Yeah, that's why it, that makes this story even more surprising to a lot of people because it's a whole, whole other side to the Hawaiian history besides the usual beaches and palm trees and surfers. And that's actually how we came across the story in the first place. Um, up in the town of Waimea, in the highlands sure. of the Big Island, yep. there's a life-size statue of Ikua Purdy, who's the, the hero of our story, roping a cow. And, you know, you can imagine that's not really what you expect to find in the middle of Hawaii. So that's that's what kind of, that was the germ of the story that inspired us to dig deeper. And the, the deeper we dug, the, the more we found. God, it's so funny, because I think it was 1983, maybe 84, the first time Catherine and I went to Hawaii. And at that time, I was pretty big into weightlifting, so I was, you know, pretty pretty bulky. And we went up to the Seven Pools, the Seven Sisters, I think it's called, on the way to Hana. And we were up there, and I'm just kind of standing there. And all of a sudden, these three gigantic Samoan guys walked up and walked right up to me and said, Why are you here? And I went, Oh, this ought to be fun. This ought to be a good time. But I said, Nah, we're not here for long. They said, Well, that's good. And just wow, it was unbelievable. But yeah, people don't know about the black sand beaches and all that. It's it's an amazing place. So now, were there was there a lot of fencing involved? Because I don't remember. You know, there obviously in the the pineapple plantations, all there's some fencing, but there's no not a whole hell of a lot of fencing in Hawaii back then. I wouldn't imagine to keep these not originally. Yeah, not after the the first few decades, the cattle were uh, dropped off. There was there was really nothing to constrain them. They were just running free. But once the the Paniolos started doing their work, 
the, that really started the ranching tradition. So, yeah, right. they had fences and rock walls. And eventually, uh, about a third of the Hawaiian Islands at its peak were dedicated to ranching. Which is kind of a, kind of an amazing statistic that we found. At one point, Hawaii had the largest privately owned ranch in the United States. I didn't know that. So, who owned it? Uh, it was the Parker Ranch, which was kind of the center of our story on the Big Island, um, and it's still there. You can still go visit, and it's one of many places where you can actually, you know, take a ride on a horse and see some of the same landscapes that uh, the heroes of our story experienced. One of my favorite stories about Hawaii right now is Mark Zuckerberg. The guy who owns Facebook and all, you know, Instagram and all those other things. He was railing on the, the wall on the southern border of the United States. And we shouldn't have walls in this world. Of course, people don't realize that he, he built a ranch or bought a ranch in Hawaii and tried to put a 12-foot wall around it. And the Hawaiian said, no, you're not putting a 12-foot wall around your ranch. So I just love these guys. Well, the, the, the Pope did. And look, I grew up Roman Catholic. But the Pope did the same thing. We shouldn't have walls. Well, there's a 37-foot wall around the Vatican, but I guess he can have a wall, but you can't. And the Swiss Guard, right? And the Swiss Guard, true. And the Mafia. That's the other part I love, is you see the Swiss Guard, wherever he goes, and where there's one on every corner of the car, and outside those guards are four civilians. They're all Mafia guys. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. So, what a story. So, how did you come to know this story, Julian? Well, if once we saw that statue in the parking lot of a, of a food lion in the right. center of this little town of Waimea, we started digging and looking through some old archives and talking to folks, talking to Hawaiians. And the story of these three Paniolo who went to Wyoming in 1908, it's kind of a local legend in Hawaii. A lot of people have heard of it, but only, you know, the facts get a little muddled and only in the vaguest way. Uh, so once we started digging into the actual facts and looking in Wyoming as well, the story just got deeper and deeper. It's tied into Hawaiian history. It tied into the history of the American West. And, you know, as nonfiction writers, it's always fascinating for us to find these stories that, you know, challenge the, the status quo. They kind of o- overturn these black and white attitudes that people can have about certain things. Mm-hmm. So it's just showing the, the, the actual complexity, the much more interesting, complex reality of stories. And I love the American West. Well, the American West is magnificent, but Hawaii as as well, giving birth to all these graces. As a matter of fact, Julian, when I was a when I was a very young kid, I read all these stories about Aku Papuli, who was a big time disc jockey in Hawaii. You ever heard that name before, Julian? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, you you know Aku then. That's great. He was one of my great uh, great inspirations because he was knocking down this huge amount of money in Hawaii. Because he was a legendary disc jockey in Hawaii. Isn't he a white guy, though? He was a white guy. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Aku Papuli was a white guy, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he died very young because he might have hit the sauce a little too hard, if you know what I'm saying. But Hawaii always gives birth, and they, they tend to be true stories, by the way. They're not fictionalized, at least the ones that I've read. Hawaii has all these great stories, but I didn't know about this one. The Aloha Rodeo, uh, Three Hawaiian Cowboys. What's that all about? Well, at the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, uh, the Paniolo tradition was, you know, fully in place in Hawaii. And it was also the birth of rodeos. You know, the era of the Wild West was kind of coming to an end. The open range was being fenced off. And the residents of the American West were really conscious of this. And they, they set out to, you know, preserve this culture that they were really proud of, this way of life. So that was kind of how rodeos started to come about. 
And they even trickled out to Hawaii. Hawaii had some rodeos in Honolulu. And so in 1907, a Paniolo named Eben Lowe traveled to the United States, uh, stopped off at the White House to meet Teddy Roosevelt, as you could do back then, and ended up out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where the Frontier Days was pretty much the biggest rodeo in the world. And he was sitting on the fence thinking, you know, wow, these guys are pretty good, but I bet my cousins back in Hawaii can beat them. And that's how the story got rolling. And the next year, they came to the U.S. and did just that. And why isn't this part of American history? Because I've never heard of this before. That's a really good question. <laughs> you know, that's what we set out to uh, to solve that problem. Yeah, I just, why do people love to hide stories? That's an amazing, shouldn't you be proud of how the thing things kind of developed and all these different uh, people were involved, whether it be Mexico or Hawaii or whatever, or Canada, certainly. Why do people love to hide these stories? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, there's just, there's so many of them, too. I mean, in our research, we came across so many fascinating side stories. And it's, it's really hard to resist sometimes going down the, the side roads and sticking to your main story. But, you know, we came across half a dozen that could be a, a book in their own. But, uh, yeah, I think people, I think there's a tendency to, to simplify history, especially. And especially in the Wild West, where it was it was a lot more complicated, like you were saying in the beginning, and interesting. But, you know, for those of us who grew up on John Wayne movies and Lonesome Dove and, you know, that kind of black and white, good guys, bad guys narrative, uh, it's easy to lose sight of all these really fascinating other stories. Well, that's basically how history is taught, is there's good guys and there's bad guys. Yeah. And then they go on to the next thing when there's good guys and bad guys. I'm just trying to imagine being a villager in some small village in the Big Island in like 1896, and then all of a sudden you see this guy riding on the back of his huge animal, and you've never seen one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. The the descriptions of the Hawaiians' reaction to the first cattle that they were brought out are really, really fascinating because they'd never even seen a land animal bigger than a pig. No, at that point, and suddenly these protein these monsters come ashore, and they uh, Mm -hmm. they didn't know what to do at first, but they soon learned. Hawaii really isn't uh, set up to uh, feed animals that big either. So you know, that's probably why they had to roam so far and destroy everything to just find some grass to eat yeah and it takes some effort to get uh, something as big as a as a steer all the way out there to the middle of the pacific too yeah now is the book available everywhere yes everywhere from your local bookstore to amazon uh pals IndieBound. yeah it's available in audiobook and kindle as well the book is called aloha rodeo three hawaiian cowboys the world's greatest rodeo and a hidden history of the american west julian smith julian great great story see i just i love learning about things like this i appreciate your time today oh thanks very much for having me it's our great pleasure julian smith ladies and gentlemen aloha rodeo three hawaiian cowboys the world's greatest rodeo and a hidden history of the american west best of the tom bernard podcast Julian Smith on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the old vault. All the way back to episode 404 with John Lastman with his first time back on air with Tom in many years with some rarely heard chucker clips. Next. 
on the best of. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, after all these years, the Chucker from Power 92. Power 92 Radio. What is this newfangled uh, intranet that we're dealing with here? This is crazy. Podcasting. Podcasting? Well, it's great to be here. It's great to have you in studio. Uh, I had a ball this morning on the KQ Morning Show talking to the Chucker. It was a lot of fun. That oh, was fantastic. People went berserk. There's no question about it. Sean had now. Wh- where did you get the uh, the uh, CD? An old coworker gave it to me. An old coworker. Yeah. My, these are unreleased chuckers. This yeah. is the too hot for radio stuff. Oh, yes. they weren't released. No, well, it was released all right. And about <laughs> four people bought it. Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, there was a, a dark period in the chucker's career where he was on the beach and. Uh, <laughs> A few times. And uh, somebody came to me and said, you should release all those chuckers and sell them. And I said, oh, great idea, but I don't own them. It was like Larry Bud Melman. So I said, but we can do new ones. So we did a couple of new ones, and we put them on a CD, and we got them into Best Buy, and there was no way to promote it. This was before the Internet. Uh So literally, I was just telling the story. It was around Christmas, 1999. I went into all these Best Buys. I would say, do you have the Chucker Too Hot for Radio CD? They'd say, no. Oh, wait, we do. They'd look it up on the computer. It would be behind Chicago in the rack. (laughs) C-H. I would take them and move them to the end caps in front of the Mariah Carey Christmas CDs and try to sell them. I think we sold literally like 20. Really? Yeah. Because there's just no way to promote them. There's no way to promote them. God, it was so wonderful. Yeah. Just a wonderful thing. 1988 or 89, you're thinking. Yeah, that's when it started. Unbelievable. The first one was, of course, Michael Jackson. We talked about that. I I don't think I've heard most of these Too Hot for Radios. Now, who's all on the Too Hot for Radio? I know. Yeah, there it is right there. Well, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> Carl, uh, Carl Reiner. I heard that's fabulous. Uh, Dick Van Patten from Eight Is Enough. Bernie Capel, Doc from the Love sure. Boat, uh, Dick Wilson, Mr. Whipple, <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, uh, my favorite, Mike Farrell. Oh, Mike from Minnesota. Yes, and a, a real dick. Oh, real <laughs> yeah. yes. uh, Robert Conrad. Oh, yeah, another real dick. And uh, George Takai. Oh, God. So, yeah, well. George. So do you have uh, a, a few favorites off of that yourself? Uh, Mr. Whipple is good. Will Ferrell is good. Will Ferrell. Uh, I sh- now I would do Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, Mike exactly. Ferrell at the time. And Carl uh, Reiner is good. That's he's a classic. Sean told me that Carl Reiner. Yeah. So what should we start with? Andy, do you have anything queued up? Uh, let's see. I've got a bunch of them on here, actually. Let's see what we have here. Uh, i got Dick Van Dyke here. Van Patten. Van Patten. Oh, it just says Dick Van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It says uh, we got Bernie Coppell. we got Robert Conrad. All right. Uh, Mike Farrell. Oh, you want to start with Mike Farrell, sure. Tucker? Sure. And do All some right. Mike Farrell here. Mike Farrell was originally from like what Hutchinson, Minnesota. Yeah. Saint, well, he was his father. Uh, Big Mike was in uh, Saint Paul. Went to the stockyards. Was he a dick too? 
A pretty big uh, brawler. Bar brawler. Oh, he's a bar brawler? Uh, yeah. His son certainly is not a bar brawler. All right, Andrew, this is... This is not Will Ferrell, it's Mike Ferrell. Before Will Ferrell hit it big. <laughs> yes. Mike Ferrell, who was on MASH. Yes, and at the time of this, Providence. 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 Yeah, I remember that show. Yes. You do? Horrible yep. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> uh, let's see how well Mike Ferrell takes a joke. Mike Ferrell and the Chucker on the Tom Bernard Show.com. Ferrell Minoff. Our radio and your Chucker up here in Chuckerland, and right now on the telephone, we have the big star from the old TV show MASH and the new TV show. Um, <laughs> the new show, please welcome Mike Farrell and welcome to the Chucker interview. I know nothing about it. So, are you ready to answer some of the Chucker's questions? Uh, uh, what about? Well, uh, first of all, old uh, Hot Lips Houlihan. She wasn't really such a slut, was she? (laughs) (laughs) Can I get you to, uh, 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 check with uh, NBC and let me make sure that, uh, this is something they want me to do? Now, old Radar (laughs) O'Reilly, did he ever get it on with Klinger? Um... Uh, how about calling uh, Kathy uh, at NBC, and she can set it up. This is Mike Farrell. Mm-hmm. The Mike Farrell from uh, TV's MASH. Right. And now you're on that new show. Uh, uh-huh. What's the name of that new show? Uh, the name of the new show is Providence. And how are things in Providence today? <laughs> uh, uh, fine. If you don't mind calling uh, Kathy, that would be a good thing. I tell you what, this old interview sounds like horse hockey. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Hello? Carl <laughs> <laughs> Minoff, can you hang on a second, please? But of course. <laughs> Not a little music. <laughs> Hello? Sorry to keep you holding. Hey, no problem. Uh, I just talked to Kathy. She said we're good to go. <laughs> Really, where did you reach Kathy? At old uh, Television City in Hollywood. Really? That's interesting. Uh, since I just called her office and she's not there. Well, she must have been on the other line with the old chucker. I guess so. Well, maybe I'll... Why don't you have her call, call her back and have her call me? Now, old McLean Stevenson, what's he been doing since Hello, Larry? <laughs> Hello, Larry. <laughs> well, there he goes, the one and only McLean Stevenson from TV's Mash, right up here in Chuckerland at Fox Power Radio. What a prick. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was... You know, the thing about this CD... The thing about this CD is uh, the interviews were a little bit uh, guerrilla tactics because we didn't have them under the guise of a radio show. Right. We just sort of had their number. So the phone oh, wow. rang and, hello. Hello, how are you? <laughs> it almost worked better. Chantel, did you find Carl Reiner yet? Because Sean tells me Carl Reiner is just... Oh, yeah, we got that on here. ...is unbelievable. So, so... Yeah, because the old Chuckers from the KQ days, they thought they were calling in to be on the radio. Like, oh, yeah. Like Buddy ha- or Buddy Epson. Buddy Epson. <laughs> and like I said this morning, they were doing you know 25 interviews, shotgun, yes. and we were number 12. So they didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. What was Farrell? What did he what did Farrell he- Minoff. That's his production company, I'm sure. Oh, God. Farrell <laughs> Minoff. Yeah, okay. You ready to go with Carl Reiner, Andy? Uh-huh. 
This is from Chucker. Too. Now, they can get this now on the Internet, I suppose. Uh, well, I don't know if it's still for sale. I'm sure you could find it somewhere, but uh, you may have to uh, dig a little. You know, I'd put it back out there now that the Internet... Yes, yeah, that's I true. I would. I would. I'd put them all back out there. Well, better. Yes, we'll have to talk to uh, to uh, somebody in the distribution business. John McLean Stevenson. <laughs> talk to him about it. So now, Carl Reiner was uh, how old during this interview? Oh, this was 1999. So you know, not a young man, but he was still because he's still around. He's still around. He didn't die, did he? No. 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 Oh, I thought John said, no, he's not. No. <laughs> Carl Reiner, um, should, well, should we set this up? People know who Carl Reiner I is. I think so. Only. It's Meatloaf's dad. Meatloaf's Meat boy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like Alice Meat. Cooper. I'm becoming the character. <laughs> for, for, a more, <laughs> for a more modern audience, uh, the older man in every Ocean's 11, 12, yes. 13, 14. Yes. He was in The Jerk, and he's Meathead's real dad. Yes. He was on All in the Family. Yes. Rob, Rob Reiner. Reiner. Here is Carl Reiner with the chucker. Or an alt. Whoops. <laughs> Hello? Uh, Carl Reiner, please. Yes. Hot Power Radio and your Chucker up here in Chucker Land. And right now on the phone, calling. Where are we calling you at? We're, you're calling me in Beverly Hills in my home in my office, and I'm looking out the window and at uh, the nice uh, green. And how are things in the big Snapple today? <laughs> the big apple is not my apple. This is the small apple. This is in Beverly Hills, the big apple we got in New York. They'll be very upset if we call it. Hollywood, the Big Apple. We have the star of stage, screen, and uh, all those wonderful sitcoms from the 1930s. The one and only Carl Reiner. Welcome to the Playhouse. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be there by voice. Well, good Lord. We haven't heard from you in some 20-odd years. Uh, what you been up to? Well, uh, let's see. The last 20 years. That's a very tough uh, question because... Uh, should I tell you about um, the fact that I just have some dental work, a very minor dental work today, and I'll go backwards to 20 years. No, I've been doing whatever whatever comes up I do. I do, um, in the last 20 years, I've, let's see, I'm going to, nobody's ever asked me that question that way. So in the last 20 years, I've written two novels. Stifle yourself, meathead. <laughs> we just love that. Where'd you come up with that one? W what's that? Boy, the way Glenn <laughs> <laughs> Meathead, stifle yourself. Well, you're, talk you're, you're talking to the wrong person. You're talking to uh, Carl Reiner. That was Archie Bunker who said that. That was Carol O'Connor. So I can't uh, help you on that one. I don't know who came up with that. Probably one of the writers. Maybe Norman Lear. Or maybe, uh, maybe Carol O'Connor himself. I had nothing to do with that. You got me a little confused with uh, another person. Yeah, come again. <laughs> huh? You don't understand what I said? I, 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 I'm not getting through to you. Now, you, of course, were a founding member of the heavy metal rock band Spinal Tap. No, you got the wrong person. You know, I think you're inter interviewing the wrong person. That's my son, Rob. You got me confused with two other people, and I think you don't want to speak to me. I think you want to speak to Rob. I think there's a mistake. Listen, I, I can't talk much longer because I have people waiting for me to... Uh, to uh, have dinner now, so uh, I'm going to have to cut this short. Good luck to you and uh, the Playhouse and everything. Uh, what advice would you give to up-and-coming comics that someday want to be on the cutting edge like you? 
Okay, it was nice talking to you, sir, and I uh, wish you luck with your all your endeavors. Well, I tell you, the kids just love your spicy brand of humor. Okay, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for all the time. Okay, thank you. Hello? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, there he goes, there he the goes. star of sitcoms from the past, the one and only meathead, Carl Reiner, right up here in Chuckerland. <laughs> oh, God. Now, you know, that's that's a good example of somebody who I actually have nothing but huge respect for. Right. Yeah. right. You know, Mr. Whipple, maybe not, but Carl Reiner, that's, that's big in my book. But Mr. Whipple. Yeah, well, he's in there, too. Mr. Whipple? Yeah, we have did, that. Did we find Peggy Cass? Could you find Peggy Cass, Andy? Because I had her, I can't remember the Peggy I, Cass one. And you know what? The Chucker can barely remember that. Peggy Cass. I'm sure it was a Mama Cass confusion. Maybe. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to say that there will be a Mama Cass confusion. <laughs> Apparently, she didn't take it too no, well. No, and you know, these could be on a cart in, in a locker. On Lilac Drive. Justin told me this morning, he said most of the chuckers are on an old system that has been shut down yeah, for I believe years. It. And that's like, where they are. It's like, you know, old Laurel and Hardy films that have been lost. <laughs> yeah, they're they're right, yeah. scope or something. What are you looking for, Andrew? Dick Wilson is Mr. Whipple. Dick Wilson is Mr. Whipple. And the other one, okay. Leslie Nielsen's real good. It's yeah. dated because it's, it's all OJ jokes. <laughs> Play Leslie Nielsen. All right, Andy, you got Leslie Nielsen? I will in a second. The way OSX displays files makes it a little difficult. Hurry up, Andy. OSX. <laughs> yes. Well, we can't thank you enough. <laughs> Okie dokie. You got it? I do. The Chucker live in the studio here in the Tom Bernard Show.com with uh, Leslie Nielsen. Now, he just died, what, about two years ago? A couple of yeah. years ago. That's yeah. so crazy. Great guy. Yeah. Just a great guy. Yeah, he was. Had a first time I ever heard a fart machine. <laughs> I brought one into KQ yeah. and was doing it. <laughs> and we're like, what the hell? <laughs> and just keep on talking. Just, just keep, keep on, on talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, just keep on talking. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen with a chucker. Yes. Hi, Power Radio and the chucker up here in Chuckerland. And right now on the telephone, calling all the way from Holly Weird, we have the star of stage and the big screen, the naked gunman himself. <laughs> The one and only Leslie Nielsen. Welcome to the Playhouse. Well, I'm glad you called because uh, I'm home. And how are things in New York City today? Uh-huh. Where are we calling you at? Uh, in Los Angeles. And how are things in New York City today? <laughs> very good. Once again, welcome to star of stage and screen and even old O.J. Simpson's buddy. The one and only Leslie Nielsen. Welcome to the Playhouse. Whoopee, whoopee. I'm glad to be here. What playhouse are you in? <laughs> are you there? Now, we all remember you <laughs> co-starring with that uh, lovable mass murderer, O.J. Simpson, in the Naked Gun films. What you been doing lately? I've been going on through well, What radio station is this? They come again. Yeah, pardon me? The po- Power Radio. Whose radio? They come again. Uh, where are you located? In the Playhouse. In the Playhouse? <laughs> Uh, what is your name? Now, Leslie, you know who this is. This is your old pal, the Chucker. Yeah, the Chucker, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, Chucker, I don't know where you're really uh, calling from, but uh, you don't sound like a radio show to me. <laughs> so. Hey, what do O.J. Simpson and John Elway have in common? Uh, pardon me? One drives a slow white Bronco. 
And the other one is a Snow White project. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you're catching me at a very tough time. I'm uh, touring with Clarence Darrow, and I'm going to go working tomorrow, opening tomorrow night. And I'm trying to catch up with my mail and a lot of things. So, Hey, what's the worst part of O.J.'s golf game? I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm going to have to say goodbye. His slice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> goodbye. Hey, what did Ron Goldman say to Nicole at the gates of heaven? Here are your goddamn glasses. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, oh God. Now, man. you got to remember again, these, these guys are really good sports because this wasn't set up. They're, right. they're literally having dinner in Malibu. The phone rings and they get this. How did you get a hold of these numbers? Uh, I had a friend who had a friend who was a producer of a show and had a bunch of numbers. But how many times are you going to call Leslie Nielsen in a given year? And you're calling them at home, too. And uh, I I was telling Sean before we came in, we had Gene Wilder's number. I called it. I got his voicemail. And young Frankenstein started going through my mind, blazing saddles. Right. And the fact that he lost Gilda Radner and the chucker just... I wasn't going to do it. Couldn't do it. I was like, you know what, sir? Couldn't do it to Gene. There's one that I just was like, nah, too too good of a guy. I understand. Well, those are all good guys, actually. Yeah. No question. Did you ever track down the Peggy Cass one, Andy? Did you keep looking for it? Um, Well, it's not on the CD. It might be on No, it's not on the CD. Okay. See if it's on YouTube, because people, a lot of people wanted to hear it. Because Peggy Cass was like a game show contestant a lot. Right, she was on Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. What? But password. Yep. She, was she ever in TV or movies or anything? Uh, it, it, yes, but not big time. Kind of like, uh, who was the lady that was always on What's My Line? That was always, you know. Dorothy Kilgallen. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Arlene, you know, Francis. Yeah, she, Arlene, Arlene Francis. Arlene Francis. Yes. She was on a, you know, a sitcom for six weeks in 1965, you know, <laughs> and then there. did game shows the rest of her life. No, I don't see it. You don't see Peggy Cass? What do you see? Um, what have well, you got, Andrew? Aside from the stuff that we have on the CD, we got Fred Savage here. He was great. Uh, let's see. Rob Schneider, George Carlin, uh, the premiere of Planet Hollywood. That is still one of the greatest bits of all time. <laughs> let's see here. Um, oh, you know what? People wanted to hear Woody, Woody Harrelson again. Woody Harrelson? They thought that was fabulous. Woody Harrelson. Uh, yep, here it is. All right. Give it a whirl. I'm America's drag queen sweetheart. <laughs> What? What the hell was that? Some weird shit they threw on it. Oh, yeah, they, <clears throat> people do that. All right! Power 92 Radio, and your Chuck, you're up here in the Playhouse, boys and girls. Today in the Celebrity Corner, calling all the way from New York City, we have the one and only Woody Hamilton from Cheers. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Chuck. How are you? I'm actually in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I'm a stickler for details sometimes. <laughs> now, of course, uh, a few years ago, uh, old uh, old Diane left the show. Do you ever hear from her anymore? No, sir. <clears throat> nope. No, never, never hear from her. <laughs> you know what she's doing nowadays? I just love her. Um... No, I haven't talked to her in a, uh, probably a year and a half. 
Every time I watch that show, I'm just amazed at old Normie sitting there all the time. Is his wife ever caught up uh, investigating as to his whereabouts? Well, I'm not sure, Chuck, and to tell you the truth, I was kind of calling to talk about the music, uh, you know, oh, I rap about Cheers a lot, and uh, to tell you the truth, it gets kind of dull for me, so I'd prefer to talk about the music. I'm I just love that music. <laughs> you bastard. Where'd you come up with that one? Making your way in the world today. I didn't exactly write that one myself, dude. <laughs> You come again? I didn't write that one. <laughs> anyway, if we could seg segue on to something uh, a little more interesting, I'd appreciate it. Uh, I'm not really uh, uh, into doing an overall interview about Cheers. Uh, as I said, it gets kind of, uh, you know, old hat to talk about it. So, uh, some other time, let's chat about that and let's talk about the music for now. That's kind of the reason I called you. I had no idea that you had an interest in a recording career. <laughs> well, I don't really have so much an interest in the recording as the performing. I, say. You know, I just love performing. Uh, I love performing the music. I love performing in general, you know, theater. Uh, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. What can we expect when we see it live in concert? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of spontaneity, to tell you the truth. And uh, so I don't really know what to expect. It, it varies a lot from show to show. We have more music than we have uh, you know, time. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, we never know, you know, what exactly we're going to play. <laughs> you like that song, don't you? <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get going. So you take care of yourself. What advice would you give to up-and-coming actors who someday uh, want to get in the business? <laughs> well, I tell them to uh, number one advice: really uh, do some theater. <laughs> Shakespeare in the Park, maybe. Shakespeare in the Park. Oh, I think that'd be particularly good. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chuck, I'm outie. I'm 5,000. See ya. Can't thank you enough for all the time. Okay, we'll see you. The one and only Woody Hamilton. <laughs> star, hello. Star of Cheers and now that crazy rock band right here at Pop Power 92. I'm not going to tell you the name of the rock band. It's just no. that crazy rock band. <laughs> and, you know, that was... Uh, that was before his movie career took off. He was right. still on Cheers. He wasn't right. a, a big player. And at the time, the Chucker and uh, Johnny Rock were doing 7P to Midnight. I hadn't seen one episode of Cheers ever. <laughs> I didn't have any idea who this was. Annie Miners, the promotion director, oh, said... Well, here's the show. And she, like, mapped it out. I didn't know who Norm was. I, I didn't watch primetime TV, and there was no such thing as a DVR. God. No, that's true. <laughs> Honest to God, it is just magnificent. Oh, we you. asked you this morning about your favorites, but there, honestly, God, there are just too many. JB? No, I was going to say that Woody sounds just like Michael Jackson. 
Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson that he interviewed. You mean the, the Chicago Michael, Michael Jackson? Jackson. Who yes. wasn't the real Michael Jackson. No. no. Well, his yes. name was Mike Jackson. Right. It was Michael <laughs> Jackson. But he, he sound, they almost sound alike, and he kept trying to refer back to the music. You know what's great is you look now at Woody, that Woody Harrelson interview, and you wonder if he'd have that much patience these days. I, I think that if you were to play that for him, he wouldn't remember it, but he'd love it. You know, yeah, I, don't, I think these guys because they've made it. I yeah. don't. I, I yeah. think they think it was funny at the time. They probably didn't think it was that. That funny. was true of Carlin, right? When when. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Carlin put his arm around me and said that was funny. I it get was. it. I get it. He did get you it. You know, indeed. School's out for the summer. But it's in session for this episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Brad, Sean, Bryant. Great clips this week from Dustin Ibarra, Julian Smith, and John Lastman. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.